Welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now, here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Patty Hayward, GM of Healthcare at TalkDesk. Patty, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, Patty, what I always like to do before getting into the main part of my conversation is give my guests a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are and what they do. So, Patty, the floor is yours. Great. Thanks. Um, so, Patty Hayward, I am the general manager of healthcare here at Doc Talk Desk. I've been in healthcare IT for the past 25 years. Um, I've worked for folks such as McKesson, Aetna. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time in population health, pharmacy, um, you know, now at, uh, at Talk Desk working on the patient experience. And um, so it's been great. Been here about almost three years now. Uh, I joined Talk Desk back when. Um, they decided to really purposefully look at specific verticals and how can they go in and build product that would meaningfully uh, change the landscape. So it's been quite a journey, a lot of fun. So you just mentioned quite the journey for healthcare. So I'm always interested to know what got you into healthcare in the first place? Great question. Um, So I actually, funny enough, have a a master's degree in conservation biology. So Nothing in the healthcare field, but definitely in science. And, you know, the journey started um, really when my mom got sick. And um, when she got sick and had multiple chronic diseases that we had to manage and deal with over the course of her life. And I realized just how difficult healthcare is to navigate and manage everything from medication management, which is just really, really difficult to just managing a journey between all of these different specialists that she would have to see and who would ultimately manage her health. Because when you have so many chronic diseases to manage manage simultaneously, you know, the different specialists aren't always on the same page. They don't always communicate well. If you're not inside the same health system, there's just not a lot of communication. So it becomes very difficult, especially, you know, 20 years ago when we started that journey. So that's really what drove me to look at changing and bringing my expertise at, you know, working with um, converting manual processes to more automated processes, which I did a lot in the lab um, in, in at the bench as a bench scientist, and then bringing that over into healthcare is really how I got started and where I ended up. And actually, that's an interesting comparison talking about you know the processes of lab or bench science and trying to translate that over to kind of what I think would probably be a lot more interpersonal interactions. Yeah. So, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the principles that you took from your previous background as a lab scientist and used that to inform how you approached issues in kind of more of that delivery sphere? Yeah. You know, when I think about... Um, you know, moving from from sort of the science realm where you're controlling your variables a lot more easily. <laughs> when you go into healthcare, there's just so many and there's so many different forces sort of interacting on them. It becomes a lot more difficult to, to deal with it. So, you know, I've always really looked at uh, processes as a really important component of any evolution, right? We obviously bring a lot of technology and I've always worked on the technology side because I really feel like that's a great impetus for change. 
but when it comes down to it, it's really important to look at all of these processes and how they interact. And when you think about healthcare and some of the silos that happen and have been formed over the years, it's difficult to break those down, but it's it's very important in order to really adapt and change. Um, so that's been a really big passion of mine. You know, I started actually in the central pharmacy working on just playing old cart fill, which sounds not that difficult to put, you know, a patient's 24 hours worth of meds in a in a cart and bring it up to the floors. But there was a lot that went into changing that and automating those different aspects. And so It really got me started on, you know, what are the other things that we really need to do in order to make, whether it's a hospital stay or a physician uh, visit, um, or just right now being working on the patient experience, how do you, how do you affect change there? And, um, you know, a lot of it is communication and communication is something that, you know, we don't often have as well as we'd like. You know, that's very insightful, as you said, thinking about it as process driven and you know, no matter what, how small you might think a particular component might be, there are so many different interactions. And, you know, even though you tried to downplay it a little bit, I know that pharmacy management is a big component because I actually had a recent show about that one talking about, you know, medication mismanagement and other Uh issues that can arise from diversion. Um, But, you know, kind of as you kept talking about those, you know, that process approach and the evolution, you then ended with another reference to the patient experience. So as we begin to kind of pick that apart, what I'd like to do is it maybe kind of level set and, you know, from your perspective, how do you define the patient experience and what does it look like? So I'm going to, there's a lot you can, you can put into that pot, right? And, and, and so I'm going to, today we'll focus on sort of outside the four walls of the hospital, because that's a a very different thing than sort of inside the four walls. And and so many times we, when we hear patient experience, we focus on things like HCAPs, which is really focused on inside the four walls. So we'll walk outside and sort of think about how we interact and navigate healthcare in general. And um, what does that look like? And, And, you know, even just calling to try to make an appointment with your doctor or get access to a specialist, things like that. Those are areas that I, or pay your bill. You know, a lot of these things are more difficult than they need to be. You know, if you think about, um, let's just think about a consumer experience. And that's usually what we reference when we think about what we want out of something. And you think about, I always go to my Delta Airlines uh, experiences because it's, it's, quite frankly, pretty delightful. You call them. They know who you are if you're frequent fly- in their frequent flyer program. They know who you are when you call. A virtual agent answers and greets you and says, hey, I see you have a flight this afternoon. I also see that it's delayed. Is that why you're calling? So they, they already sort of are trying to anticipate what you're doing. They know you. You feel like you're known by the place that you're calling. Um, and, and you think about those types of experience that you get in travel and you think about healthcare where you really have so much personal interaction and and there's nothing more personal than healthcare you would expect that something like that would be more prevalent there than even in the travel industry because of all the information that they have about you um but we're so far behind in in the healthcare field as far as technology and 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 you know just how we view patients because even just the word patient versus healthcare consumer you know, it's it's difficult to get a lot of organizations to even think about folks as healthcare consumers and not just as patients, because there's a hierarchical relationship when you think about a patient and a doctor versus a healthcare consumer. And when you think about it, most of the time, thankfully, 
we're healthcare consumers. Very rarely are we really patients. Um, and so if we can shift the mindset to think about it that way, you're going to see some shifts in just how you anticipate working with um, with your healthcare consumers as they try to interact with you. Um, so we, you know, we think about things as how can we make things, um, you know, personalized? How can we synchronize it across the interactions that you have, whether it's in person, whether it's, um, you know, with a, with a digital interface, like a portal, or whether you're speaking to an agent on the phone, how can we make sure that all of those interactions are, are flowing and you understand and, um, you know, I work with a lot of children's hospitals and some of the children's hospitals have described interestingly enough as, you know, when these parents have to come in and talk in, with, with uh, the different points of entry and the traumatic experience it can be to explain their child's illness over and over and over and over again and how they want to solve that problem. It's, it's, it makes it a little more personal when you start thinking about it in that context. Yeah, and kind of your reference to that term healthcare consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think part of maybe the resistance to using it is just that, you know, the connotations that come along probably more with the word consumer in that than anything else? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I reference that hierarchical piece that you think of when you think of a patient, right? There's there's definitely a different kind of relationship there. They're seeking you out, et cetera. Whereas the consumer denotes you're trying to bring them in. Um, you know, you're trying to attract them and you're trying to retain them. And that's um, you know, that's becoming much more prevalent. You know, if you think about any large city, there's a lot of competition um, for those patients and for that, you know, that healthcare consumer. And, you know, we had, obviously, we just came through a very big event in our world history in a, in a global pandemic. And we saw a lockdown of a lot of health systems, right? They weren't seeing patients in person unless they met certain criteria. And people had to go fend for themselves and figure out how to get the healthcare they needed. Um, and and so you're seeing a big rise in retail healthcare out there, um, and you're seeing folks like Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, quite a few others that are digital plays only uh, coming in and really trying to step into that space. The nice thing is it's really expanded access because we have a big access problem out there in general, but they've really um, looked at things in a very different way, treating people as consumers and really understanding how to approach them because obviously they've been doing retail and consumerism for a long time. And so taking that and taking advantage of the real estate that they own to really expand that access. And you think about what Walmart's doing in the South with Medicare Advantage, you know, bringing clinics to all of these hard to reach areas that didn't typically have access and you had to drive for many miles in order to get anywhere. Putting all of these clinics in those uh, facilities is really amazing. You know, it 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 it's far more reaching than just consumerism, right? It's it's expanding access. It's 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 sort of um, leveling the playing field a little bit, and and really caring for a population that is in great need in our senior population. And kind of as you were talking about, you know, the retail players coming in and approaching the interactions differently. And I liked how you point out also taking advantage of their existing space where they're already used to having people come in and figuring out how to, you know, attract and engage with them. You know, have you seen any particularly beneficial approaches that they've taken from the healthcare deliveries perspective? Because obviously, you know, even though they've got people coming in, say, to buy produce or their groceries or anything else that those stores might sell, it's still a different proposition to be selling a healthcare service at the yeah. same time. Yeah, 
You know, they're really taking advantage of what we call omni-channel, right? The ability to, to, to engage with their consumers where they want to. You know, you're obviously, especially a lot of our senior population doesn't want to do anything but voice or, or, or come in in person, but there's a large population that really wants to do more telehealth, right? I mean, I think about myself and convenience. If I just have a, you know, an, an issue that I feel like I can deal with in a telehealth visit, I'm going to want to do that versus, you know, having to drive someplace, wait in a waiting room on their terms <laughs> for their schedule. Whereas, you know, if you can engage in a telehealth visit, that's much more convenient um, for for folks and and busy professionals, as well as parents who maybe aren't able to get daycare for the other children in the house if they've got to bring their child or themselves in. Um, it's very difficult to manage those types of things, and and we're seeing increasingly, you know, people taking care of their aging parents in home, and and you know the the care that they need to give those individuals, and trying to take time out of their schedules to do those things. So I think the ability to really meet consumers where they are is something that is a big specialty for retail, and then having the convenience of you know the stores down the street, half a mile or a mile, versus having to drive twenty thirty miles to get to a clinic that they would normally have to go to. It's a huge difference in just ability to get there and the timings as well. You know, it, it's not always convenient to do something nine to five. Um, and so how can they do things in hours that people can actually get there in a reasonable way? So there's a lot of things that they bring and, and just expanding that. And then the, the convenience of, you know, my, my daughter had strep throat and, you know, she's an adult, but, um, you know, she's 23, but we went. And literally she was seen by the nurse practitioner and she went next door to the pharmacy and within 10 minutes had her medication was out the door. That's amazing, right? Because they prioritize their clinic patients to fill those prescriptions really rapidly. And then, and then you're out. And that's, I, I was literally floored by how fast they were able to turn around that medication. And I thought, wow, okay, typically if I go to a, if I go to a regular, you know, our regular uh, primary care doc, they're going to send the prescription in. I'm going to have to wait for them to fill it. It's going to be at least an hour, probably longer these days, right? You're now waiting two or three hours for um, on-demand prescriptions. And then, and then I got to go back over and pick it up. You know, this was all done. We were in and out literally from the time she signed in to the time we left was less than a half an hour. Yeah, no, it's an amazing amount of efficiency and certainly probably makes you question why the health, the broader healthcare system hasn't figured out how to better adhere to that, you know, understand that there are, you know, kind of, you know, you're highlighting some of the inefficiencies of having to go to multiple locations, but it still seems like there could be a better overall flow. And for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Patty Hayward from TalkDesk. We've been talking a lot about patient experience and kind of the the new methods that retail clinics and retail players can bring to the industry. And kind of, I guess, building off of that side of it, do you see the more traditional players, say the hospitals or the physician practices, starting to learn and uh, adapt some of those means of engagement that the retail players have been using? Absolutely. I So many players are now looking at um, how are they engaging with their patients? And it's more than just a text message reminder. You know, how are we able to utilize you know, chat, live chat. Can we do live chat? Can we do, um, you know, more outbound and proactive ways of communicating with our population? A lot of these organizations are taking risk on the on their insurance contracts, and they're really responsible for managing their patients' health and making sure that they do things like annual exams 
um, you know, the mammograms on time, you know, the different screening things that really lead to a healthier life uh, long-term. And how do we go about engaging our population to ensure that they're doing that? And we're, we're, you know, addressing any gaps in care that may be out there for any folks with, um, you know, diabetes or, you know, high blood pressure, any of these different aspects of things where they can see what's going on and doing it in a proactive manner, as opposed to reactive. We've been a very reactive healthcare system for, you know, as long as I can remember and, and turning that around and trying to be more proactive is going to be key. You know, we're not going to get any better with healthcare professional numbers, right? We're seeing some major shortfalls coming our way for physicians and nurses, especially. How do we go about dealing with these in a way that allows us to have a healthier population as well as keep our physicians and nurses happy that we do have and make sure they're not you know, getting so burned out that they're leaving the profession and going elsewhere and thus exacerbating the uh, the shortfalls that we're anticipating that we have. And then how do we use physician extenders? You know, how do we use nurse practitioners, pharmacists, et cetera, in a way that allows us to, you know, do more things. We did a lot of it during the uh, pandemic, right? Pharmacists all of a sudden played a key role in vaccinations and, and in, and in, you know, being able to look at prescribing certain types of medications. It's, it's really interesting to look at, um, at folks in those ways and how can we utilize the team uh, of healthcare professionals that we have to do with this in a better way. Yeah. No. And it seems like all that goes hand in hand, where as you're saying, if we allow more individuals to do more and provide more services within the scope of their license, that can help alleviate, you know, as you said, some of those looming shortages. But I'm very interested kind of in, in the burnout side of things that you were yeah. talking about. You know, so how do you, or kind of what efforts do you see being implemented right now that are actually effective? Because it's, you know, I feel like some of the things that get headlines are just like, oh, we'll give you a day off or right. we're just, we're going to, you know, do a reception at the, you know, yeah. in the office or something yeah. like that. All the where, mental health pieces, right? <laughs> right. We're yeah, put it seems like it's, your phone. <laughs> It seems appealing, but then if you hear the actual clinicians who are receiving it, it's, yeah. I'd rather yeah. be at home with my family than at right. another work event. Right. You know, I, I I think about, and I'll just, I'll stick with the contact center since I'm working with them a lot right now and just hearing some of the issues that they're having because um, clinicians obviously have their own set of burnouts, but I think there's some things that sort of go across universally and you know, with the really boom of generative AI, I think you're seeing a lot of opportunity to take mundane tasks off of these folks plate. You know, we're not going to overcome these shortfalls. I know there's a lot of worry about people losing jobs and things like that. I, I don't see that as being a problem. I really see we have such a shortfall right now is how do we deal with it, right? So when you think about things like, and you're seeing this kind of AI across the board, and that is summarization of interactions, so whether it's ambient listening in the in the actual care room or whether it's on a phone call, typically agents are have to summarize and set dispositions, right? And so they're spending a lot of time really paying attention to trying to take notes. And I don't know if you've ever done that, trying to take notes and listen to a conversation. I'm a, I'm a terrible multitasker. So I know my notes, I get like one or two words down because I'm trying to listen. <laughs> and then I have to go and do it afterwards. And then you miss things. So the idea of taking a full transcription and then generating a summary um, for that agent. Imagine that. That's amazing, right? Just that right there and allowing that agent to listen and really engage with whoever's calling them and help them navigate that system. That's big. Um, I think the other thing is, 
you know, we do have a lot of turnover. So how do we help those agents who are new really embrace what they're doing and, and get some joy from it? And a lot of that is how can we give them real-time information that's accurate and, and consumable to them so they can feed that back to the healthcare consumer who's calling them? How do we do that in real time? That's all great for large language model generative AI, right? We have that ability to listen to the conversation, go into the knowledge management system and present that information in a way that's consumable, not a giant article that they have to then read, but consumable targeted uh, bites that they can then talk through with the patient. Um, And then they can even do things like text um, certain articles, et cetera, to the patient if they're needing knowledge, information, directions, whatever, in a really easy way. Imagine that being in the, and you know, when people get into healthcare, they're looking to really do do good. I always look at think of it as you you go into healthcare to help people. And when you're just spending all sorts of time doing mundane tasks um and and trying to look through knowledge articles and just and there's stress there because you know you have so many people on hold waiting for you, that's a difficult thing. You don't get that joy and that fulfillment. If you think about, you know, work, I know even when I'm super busy, if I'm getting joy from it and I'm feeling like I'm giving back and doing something meaningful, I'm going to be a lot happier about working more than if I am just stressed with non-fulfilling tasks and people are mad and you know all of these different things. So I think those things on the agent side, but also helping the consumers do more things in a self-service manner so that those easy things like cancel, confirm, get directions, you know, what what can I do, you know, pay my bill, things like that. What can we offload of the agents so that they're really spending time on the tasks that matter? And, and if they're a clinician, you know, we have a lot of nurse advice lines. How do we help them work at the top of their license? Easy things being offloaded, you know, that is really, really important. The way I'm hearing what you're describing is it's how can you allow technology to work in the background? that then allows whoever is receiving the support from that tool to be present in, you know, the interaction that they're engaging with or Mm -hmm. engaging in with another person. And then I think as you were finishing up there, you know, if you're talking about a professional receiving that assistive tool, how can you allow them to actually be focused on where their knowledge can best be utilized? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very important that we, you know, sort of lift up these caregivers and and allow them to really work in the way that they want to um, and take some of these tasks that are, you know, not very exciting. I mean, we've all been to the doctor when the doctors just literally got their back to you and they're typing in the computer (laughs) and they're, they're talking to the computer, but they're talking to you. And, and it's, it's not a very fulfilling way to engage, right? I know it's not for the physician and it's not for the, the patient. So imagine an ambient listening device taking that transcript for you and putting that in and then putting summarizations together. Um, It's super important. And and the same for interactions, right? More and more people are looking for how can I ask questions via email or text um, instead of having to wait and come in. (laughs) There's a lot of different things that we need to be able to help. Um, you know, uh, to 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 delight in that workload because otherwise, after a full day of seeing patients, you're going to have to now spend a couple hours answering all these things. That's going to be that's not going to be very satisfying, and people aren't going to want to sign up for that. I don't think anybody does. So I think there's a lot of need around how do we bring some of this AI to bear for us 
And I think it's super promising. I mean, there's obviously limitations and there's things we really need to look out for. Uh, privacy, you know, some of the misinformation that can be generated, things like that. There's a lot of things that we need to work through, but I think it's really rapidly evolving and going in great directions. Yeah, and kind of picking up on that last point, and given that, you know, a lot of the utilization or types of utilization that we're just talking about aren't the ones that drive headlines or capture the imagination, you know, you know, even though you already kind of gave the caveat that it's, you know, we need to be careful and that it's still being worked through, which I definitely agree with on both of those fronts. Yeah. You know, are there solutions like that that are already out there and being yeah. utilized? And, you know, kind of what is the reality when you actually get into the day-to-day running of a business that yeah. people might not actually realize? Yeah. I mean, I think we've we've been interacting with AI for a really long time. I mean, when was the last time you called to get your prescription refilled and you actually spoke to a human? Probably not. It's been a long time, right? We've had interactive IVRs. We've had, you know, some AI involved for a long time. Again, that ambient listening and 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 um, transcription. You know, transcription's been around for a really long time. Um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, different aspects. They're just evolving now to be more accurate to allow us to then utilize the data in more uh, creative and productive ways. Um, you know, I don't think anybody who has anybody who hasn't played with ChatGPT yet on their phone needs to. It's it's pretty fun, you know, to be able to ask it, even if it's just asking it questions, the amount of information it brings back, or you know, hey, write me a blog on whatever it is, and it'll give you some really great starting points. Now, I would never ever take it and just natively publish anything, but it's a great opportunity to give you some ideas to then go and work through. Um, and I think what it does is it democratizes a lot of different aspects, right? It allows more people who maybe didn't have certain skill sets to allow them to then utilize things and not have to have large teams um, in order to put things together. So, you know, I think there's a lot of really great, interesting things that you can utilize today safely. You know, I talked a little bit, a little bit about sort of the listening and offering articles and information to the, the agent and the uh, the patients and 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 the transcription thing is just super powerful. Um, and and you know we continue to evolve those interactive virtual assistants so that they can understand more things and they can deal with accents and different languages in a better way. So that allows you to get information in real time and not always be screaming agent <laughs> into the phone to get away from the virtual agents because they don't understand you. They give away less errors now of, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you because of the trainability of these models. Um, you know, there's a lot more satisfying interactions, you know, for me to say it was delightful to have Delta, virtual agent talk to me like that, you know, it really was because I was able to get through information, reschedule a flight, you know, do all of these things without having to wait on hold, which by the way, because of the storm was like a three hour hold time. So (laughs) I was happy to use a virtual agent in that instance. Yeah, no, and I think kind of that evolution is a great way to point it out, where as you said, it's building off of what has been around and been in use for a decent amount of time now. And then, as you said, it's just getting deeper and, you know, I guess, smarter for a lack of a better way to say it. Um, So believe it or not, we're already almost out of time. So I'm going (laughs) to, you know, close with one final question, which is, you know, what is the biggest next step that you see occurring? Yeah. I, you know, I think everybody's really focused on this AI piece and where can we take it next? 
you know, how do we really, because today we're, we're still rudimentary, I think in, in, in the amount of work that we do there and the interactions you're like, I talked about basic things, right? How do we continue to go deeper and deeper and really empower or, you know, our workforce to have mundane tasks sort of done for them and allow them to really, um, you know, work at the top of their license, top of their skill set. You know, we're healthcare is really hard to navigate. You know, it really is. And I think being able to to um, make those processes easier and allow people to be able to figure out what they need to do in order to take care of themselves and their families that's going to be really the ultimate as we start to see more AI come into play and allow us to really help those processes become much more efficient. And we're not getting inaccurate information and we're not having to call four or five times in order to get our questions answered or schedule appointments or things like that. This will all get easier as we start to have more information flow. Yeah, no, I think it'll be fun to see how that continues to evolve, and as we, you know, hopefully see some of those, um, you know, predictions come to fruit, come to fruition. But you know, yeah. as I said, believe it or not, we are out of time already. So I want to thank my guest Patty Hayward for a great conversation today. Thanks, it was great to be here. And thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag HCDEJURE. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time. <laughs>